0: Hello, and welcome to the Tea Time Dialogues. I'm Jack Materko, one of the caretakers of the Satanic Estate with its properties, the virtual headquarters and Faction Hall, which we are breaking ground on this very podcast. Uh, No caretaker performers or creatures living in the secret tunnels under the Satanic Estate is a spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. The views in this conversation do not reflect the views of the Satanic Temple and are simply our own. We are usually in the tea room, but right now we are outside the new groundbreaking of faction hall and i am here with director ada king who is going to be cutting the ribbon on this new property hi ada
1: hello hello today's such an exciting day i uh never would have expected that we would be able to break ground on a second property on the estate so soon especially after just beginning last october in 2020 and here we are mid-march with a whole new property we're very lucky it's and very uh, excellent
0: and we're going to be talking to evan anderson from Gray faction and lucian greaves uh, co-founder of the satanic temple about why we're breaking ground on this new property uh over in the tea room in a bit but first we're here to do the ceremonial cutting of the ribbon
1: yes so evan uh you and chalice and i spent an amount of time uh, working out the number of rooms, like the general style of it. You and Shalise are working on the names of the rooms, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, What are some of the names of the rooms that are going to be in Faction Hall?
2: Uh, Well, we've got, I think, Adrenochrome Lounge is one, right? I think we got, uh, I think we have a Pizzagate Hall. Uh, We might have a couple uh, named after some uh, very important people. and probably more that we haven't thought of yet
1: oh awesome i can't wait to kick back in the Adrenal Crow lounge that's nice sam lucian uh it's very nice of you to come up with the perfect name for Action hall thank you <laughs> thank you we appreciate it i've experienced that this uh the estate in itself was something that you had sort of summoned into existence
0: Yes, it
3: was something we wanted because of COVID.
1: So far, we've had over a thousand Satanists from all around the world uh, experience the community and togetherness of the estate. I think that's a privilege. It'll be great to have a building devoted not just to the party house of B H Q, but to uh, intentional education and uh, an academic rigor that uh, the Great Faction Conference will bring.
0: Snippers. We did it! Yay! <laughs> Yay.
1: <laughs> now we have a conference hall! Say fellas, shall we head over to the tea room and discuss more about the conference?
0: Sounds like a good idea to me. Let's do it. Hell yeah. So Evan, as, as director of Faction, how did this idea for this conference, what was, what was the seed of an idea that started this idea, this opportunity to, to have a big online virtual conference? Besides just the pandemic, I mean, I know it's something that we'd like to do in person if we were able to, but being able to do it in this space uh, affords us an opportunity. But what was the decision to, to what was the impetus for, for having a conference like this?
2: yeah we've been talking about having a conference for years it just seemed kind of inevitable that you know so much of our work is focused on protesting some of these other conferences that go on uh like the international society for the study of trauma and dissociations annual conference where they talk about all these anti-satanist conspiracy theories and pseudoscience um it kind of seemed inevitable that we would eventually have our own sort of competing conference and uh that's what we did and and we've been talking about it for a long time. And, uh, this year, it just seemed, it seemed right, um, to, uh, you know, we, we had enough time leading up to the ISSTD conference that we could schedule our own for the same time period, uh, the same weekend, uh, and have our own, uh, you know, lectures kind of, uh, debunking their, uh, nonsense.
0: And, and well, you said now that, now this seems like a good time. Is it just the pandemic or is there, is there other stuff going on? Because I know you, you, you mentioned QAnon in the in the conference documents, so you're drawing these parallels between the Satanic Panic and and all the QAnon crazy stuff. Do, do you feel like that continues to be an equally dangerous threat as it has been over the last few years? Uh, I
2: think I think so. I think it may as well be as much of a danger as it has been. Um, you know, we might think QAnon is no longer relevant now that uh, Trump is out of office. Um, uh, I think that's a very overly optimistic view. Uh, I think QAnon is here to stay, um, and in as much as it is really just the newest iteration of the same satanic panic uh, that we saw during the 80s and 90s, um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something we have to uh, speak out against and uh, actively combat.
0: And, and Lucian, you you've been putting fighting the good fight against this stuff with gray faction for a long time now too and one of the things that you're always really good at is giving us an an overview of some of the the crazier things that we hear from people from the ISSTD you want to give us a a few ideas of of the the kind of stuff we're going to be seeing combated there's
3: a whole list of crazy and nothing is too too deep into the tinfoil hat realm for the ISSTD to not get there, you know, and in case anybody doesn't know, you know, in case this has moved too fast, I don't know, but the ISSTD is a professional organization for uh, mental health professionals, and at their conferences, they propagate these notions of satanic ritual abuse, Illuminati mind control, and for the most part, the evidence they have that these things are happening come from recovered memory therapies that they put upon people who are put under hypnosis, sodium ametol interviews or whatever else to recall memories of things that never happened. Uh, They're cultivating delusions in the course of therapy. And it's very much of a QAnon nature. And in fact, I'm sure that the uh, previous claims of the satanic panic of the eighties and nineties, which were bolstered by this therapeutic practice uh informed a lot of what has become Q a now
1: I want to ask uh a couple more questions about this extremely exciting conference listing I uh I can' I I'm excited about every single day of every holiday at the HQ but my very favorite events are the ones where I'm gonna go into a room and learn a bunch of incredible things that I never would have otherwise experienced from incredible people. And I just, especially some of these topics are just completely new to me. Uh, Do we know anything potentially about the Freemason Luciferians that Hadrian will be bringing to us? That's completely new to me.
2: Yeah, Hadrian gave uh, an overview of uh of what he's planning on covering and it sounds really interesting it's uh, it, i mean i don't know much about this subject and and that's sometimes that's how i know it's going to be a great uh, a great talk because i'm going to learn a lot um but it, it sounds like a lot of the early conspiracy theories around freemasons really uh was kind of the original sort of satanic panic in a way the the sort of anti-satanist uh conspiracy theories of satanic ritual abuse seem to have, or at least some elements of them seem to have uh, originated uh, as a sort of target um, uh, painted on the backs of Freemasons. Uh, so that's all I really know at this point, but uh, I'm sure we're all going to learn a lot.
1: Yeah, that's that's enough for me. That's really neat. I am very excited.
0: Is it, is it the taxel hook stuff? Do you know? I think oh, that, so. That, that place, sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
3: It's amazing how that persists, even after the originator came out and said i mean i mean that that was a lesson from so long ago so, so the the Taxel hoax was uh so, so somebody did that to done great Catholics to prove that they would fall for anything, so they built this whole conspiracist narrative about freemasons and wrote several tracts about it and everything and then came out and said, look at how dumb you are. And all that happened then at that point was the adherence to this belief system said, well, the real fraud is in the idea that this was ever a
0: hoax, right? Yeah. And I I don't know how, where this, which way this talk is going to go, but the thing I find really interesting about the taxel hoax stuff is there is like a through line there that makes a case for why there should be a baphomet statue in arkansas really? which i think is fe- yeah this guy albert pike who was a freemason who they who part of taxel's stick was saying that he was like some fringe luciferian offshoot of freemasonry in the united states and he had this whole built-up myth that, like, Albert Pike was head of some Illuminati chapter in Charlotte, but Albert Pike was the first clerk of court for the state of Arkansas. So he had this whole thing that Albert Pike was in possession of this Baphomet statue in Charlotte, which I think is really funny and, and makes this weird case that, eh, maybe there should be a Baphomet in Arkansas, just saying. So I... Historical value. Uh, yeah, there's something there. If, if you believe weird shit, there's something there. Right? Yeah, someone it's tell no, Jason Raper. No different than putting a, it's no different than putting a Robo, RoboCop statue in Detroit. But, but right? we but. think
3: of that kind of thing, that kind of pranksterism gone wrong, as being uh, t- entirely a, a product of social media. But social media has just put it on hyperdrive. And I think a lot of the bullshit we're seeing circulating now, you know, I, I'm sure a good percentage, percentage of it, just comes from people being smart ass and saying like, I I bet I can get people to believe this. Like, I really think that that was the case with the revival of flat earth. I think somebody came in and was like, all right, creationist arguments are so stupid that I can, you know, uh, exploit that stupidity or at least point, or at least show how stupid some of these arguments are by making what look like just to, uneducated people or just like really gullible people, uh, credible claims for the flat earth, you know? And then here we have a whole movement. And I really think some of the conspiracy theories we're seeing now come from just uh, misguided smart asses in in chat forums, just seeing what they they can make stick. And because QAnon is so prominent and in the news and people understand it, it seems that now is a, is a good time to make people aware of this history and how, how this satanic panic has been ongoing and never really came to a stop. And it's uh, a good time to draw people's attention to this irresponsible quackery in the mental health field to make sure that we do something to put a stop to it. And previously, this mental health quackery is very much... Uh, benefited from uh, posturing itself as a victim's advocacy group. And any time you would call into question their bizarre claims of Illuminati Mind Control or whatever else, uh, they'll always backpedal to the point where they broaden the scenario and say that at the end of the day, they're just advocating for victims of abuse. It's not uncommon that they'll imply that uh, there's some pedophilic agenda behind anybody who questions any of the things they say. And this is horrific to a lot of the people who would try to fight this fight and a lot of the uh, mental health professionals who don't agree with this stuff otherwise keep their mouths shut because they don't want to be dragged through the mud in this way. But I think uh, QAnon has kind of overplayed their hand at the point where QAnon co-opted the uh, Believe the Children hashtag. And started using the same ISSTD tactics to shield their own re- ridiculous claims from critical scrutiny. I think people are much more aware now of how disingenuous that is and aren't as easily put off by those types of claims. So I think the time is ripe to you know, really, uh, really create greater attention for the atrocities being committed in the name of mental health.
0: Yeah, the conversation about the the how damaging this therapy can really be. I think one of the, the interesting things about QAnon coming to the fore is that it it has a rel- you can talk about the panic in the eighties and nineties, but that doesn't resonate with a lot of people the same way that the QAnon stuff does today. For you know, you know that people have have had fights with close family members and broken up and they're never talking to him again over this kind of QAnon stuff. And in the same way, the the therapies that are that are used and practiced with the ISSTD uh, has caused that kind of damage. And I think we when we talk about how silly and ludicrous what these therapists are doing are saying is, it kind of gets buried in the background how much pain that actually generates for the victims of this shitty therapy, you know?
3: Well, and a lot of people are concerned about what happens to QAnon now. And it kind of gets frustrating, probably, you know, for Evan too, or, or anybody who's really aware of the, uh, the, how the satanic panic never really ended and, uh, and how egregious an organization like the ISSTD is. When we see these academic digressions that don't acknowledge this aspect, the, the fact that QAnon didn't come from a vacuum in that uh, it was clearly quite informed by the ongoing satanic panic. And what I'm seeing missing from all the speculation regarding what becomes of QAnon now is acknowledgement of the fact that we have this conspiracist infrastructure that never went away and only uh, further built upon itself since the satanic panic was supposed to have formally ended. And it's not just something that's a cultural phenomenon of the type where you can say, well, we really have no no say over what people's personal beliefs are. And as much as we disagree with them, you know, they have a right to be wrong. Uh, That's all true. But when it's sanctioned by state licensing agencies to the point where people who are mentally vulnerable can go to a licensed clinician who's going to be feeding them this stuff and essentially indoctrinating them into these ridiculous ideas, uh, that's very harmful. And that's the point where the public has every right to step in and say that this is wrong and no, they don't have any right to do this, at least not in any accredited capacity.
2: Yeah, it really seems like we're going through a moment here where the dangers of sort of unchecked conspiracy theories are, you know, it's something everybody, except for those that buy into them, um, sees plain as day, right? Uh, And people that, you know, fall into uh, QAnon or or QAnon adjacent uh, conspiracy theories, like the Wayfair uh, thing that we saw last year. Um, And I think there were others as well. There's so many that, Pretty easily forget them all. Uh, what is what is
0: the Wayfair thing from last year?
2: Um, there was this thought that uh, there was a there was a pricing error on Wayfair's website, and so there were certain uh, items like these ca- large like cabinets and things that were uh, for sale for like thousands of dollars more than you know they actually cost, and they the names of the items were like similar to like people's names. So people got this idea somehow that uh, oh, you buy this cabinet, and uh, you know a child by that name, uh, you know, is shipped to your house uh, in in the cabinet or something. Uh, so um, this was you know a great example of you know social media uh, helping to spread uh, just really bizarre uh, conspiracy theories based on just a simple like error that someone made uh, on the on the internet. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's really easy for people to people fall into the, those things uh, uh, with social media. And, you know, this moment of QAnon and kind of reconciling with unchecked uh, conspiracy theories in our culture, uh, people don't really, we, we have the ability, I think, here with this conference to uh, show people that a lot of this stuff has already been litigated. Um, a lot of people, particularly the younger generations, don't know that there was a satanic panic. Um, that a lot of these same uh, accusations and, and claims have been have been, you know, discussed and largely dispensed with. Um, and uh, it's it's a really good opportunity to to underline these connections between the previous satanic panic and and q now and the and the harms that are really
0: inherent in that kind of
2: uh conspiracism
0: and, when, and and like i was saying when we talk about what those harms are i i don't think you can impress enough how damaging it can be when someone in your family has been convinced that you are all you know a a, a part of some weird nebulous Illuminati conspiracy and they just cut you off and the, the kind of pain that that causes for, for families.
2: Absolutely. Uh, the most, you know, recently there's, there's a subreddit uh, called r slash uh, QAnon casualties or Q casualties, something like that. And it's filled with people who have really lost uh, family members to uh, QAnon. Um, and of course there's no shortage of, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, being ostracized from their community, uh, patients completely disconnected from their families, uh, entire communities really destroyed um, because of, you know, the type of satanic panic conspiracy theories.
3: And to be clear, that's, uh, that kind of devastation is, is not unique to QAnon and is, you know, goes back to all those recovered memory therapies. The whole premise of the trauma-based mind control theory that groups like the ISSTD work upon um, start with that notion that multiple personality disorder is caused by people being horrifically abused, uh, so horrifically abused that they can't consciously uh, assimilate the fact that these things have happened to them. So different compartments of their mind break off individually to hold various memories that then uh, become their own personalities uh, unbeknownst to one's core consciousness. So intermittently different personalities pop out into consciousness with, uh, with different histories and different names and that type of thing. And on very sparse evidence, uh, some of these therapists would divine that people had multiple personality disorder And then because they assumed multiple personality disorder, you have to assume that there was traumatic abuse in their background. And traumatic abuse, of course, that the client themselves don't remember. And this necessitated a bunch of contriving of narratives. And usually those narratives come down to your entire family as part of the Illuminati or a satanic Ritual abuse cult An intergenerational satanic cult And though you thought you had A a, uh, a fairly A relatively normal happy history The fact of the matter is Is that you've forgotten these occasions Where your family is dressed up In black robes And sacrificed babies And made you eat them and things like that And uh, As ridiculous as that sounds uh, There's nothing funny about it And People come to believe this stuff and then uh, remove themselves from their family network and their friends and, and any of the support they may have had outside of this kind of cultish therapeutic setting. And so some of the people we've spoken to who are retractors, which is to say people who went through this type of therapy and then realized that they were cultivating false memories and not real memories They typically lost their families first. And then the only support network they had were other people who believed in these tales of satanic ritual abuse and everything else. And so it's very hard for them to disentangle themselves from the only support group they were left with after having left their family network. And so it's a long, painful history for all of them. And, uh, you know, uh, the ones we've talked to, it's, it's left an indelible stain on their lives and they'll, they'll never be able to fully recover from it. And it's outrageous that this still happens now. And it's outrageous that we can report these things to licensing boards and they essentially disregard what we have to say because it's not within their typical standards of, uh, of mediation to, to uh, bother with these things at all
0: and it is very it's it's weird the inverse that that exists there in that the the conspiracy theorists are postulating that there's this shadowy group conspiring against uh the global order i guess and at the same time when you look at cults and how cults form and how culture the first thing they do is cut you off from your family and, and eliminate those support networks so they can become the new support network
3: that hasn't been lost on me—the cult-like uh, behavior of some of these anti-cult therapy groups. And when we hear these stories about the therapy in the group setting, they really do fit every element of the cults uh, including, you know, a prohibition against questioning anybody's uh, personal reality. You know, there's something very postmodern about all of this, too. The, the notion that everybody has their kind of personal reality here to the point that uh, whatever they claim must be true as long as it's a victim narrative. And it doesn't matter if other people are victimized by this narrative. Um, all that matters is that people are validating one another within this group setting. doesn't matter if these narratives are crippling people with fear and, uh, and delusion. You know, the, the job of the group setting is to validate one another. And what that really does is insulate them from any critical scrutiny. And they kind of develop an a internalized prohibition against questioning these ideas that they've essentially been indoctrinated into. And there is that notion, too, that if people around you are calling into question any of these things that have been revealed to you that they're part of some nefarious ploy to bring you back into, uh, into your mind control programming. I would encourage people to look up one of the early cases, Bennett Braun and Patricia Burgess and Patricia Burgess got a $10.6 million settlement in 1993, uh, after, undergoing treatment by one Bennett Braun who was one of the founders of the ISSTD and he was over medicating her and had her convinced that uh, she was having cannibalistic meals with her family who were secret satanists and all this kind of thing it was really over the top but there were a lot of really detailed articles written about it there were you know 2020 Uh, investigations into this particular case so it can give you a lot of background and show you just how over the top but insular and cult-like the therapy was at least for Patricia Burgess and that and the thing people have to realize is that it's not for a lack of cases that have been through the courts and settled that uh, we look back at a case from 1993 It's just that so often, again and again, since I've been on this issue, we see these cases come and go with regularity, where uh, a retractor will bring a case against a a therapist or other mental health professional who's feeding them this bullshit, and um, they uh, settle out, you know, and at the point where person suing gets the settlement it always comes with a gag order so there's case upon case just piling upon one another that people are taking settlements are on not allowed to talk about and then the therapist just essentially gets away clean they 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 just go to another state uh and and that's that is common again and again evan and i were talking about this earlier and just talking about you know doing some kind of research just to demonstrate how often this happens where we're just going to put it on one document every time we come across it. But it's all the time, you know, we get these people doing recovered memory therapies. Uh, They convince somebody they were in a satanic cult or whatever, that they had this horrific history. They get sued. They settle out with their insurance company. And before anything can happen to their licensing status, they skip out to another state and they start fresh. They start entirely clean. And if you look them up, there would, there's nothing that would indicate that there's ever been a stain on their record at all.
0: And Evan, I know you're, you're, you're a big data guy, and I know that we've talked a little bit before about, uh, you know, that the impetus for, for people going along with this is the fact of the matter is if you're in therapy and you're not very good at your job, it, it's a good way to make money. Right. Like there's 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 you have some Medicare records of like how much has been paid out into this kind of therapy from government money. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know about the um, like uh, uh, settlements or anything like that uh, in particular, but one thing I was looking into for a period of time was uh, for some of the therapists that we know about uh you know how much are they getting from medicaid and medicare uh you know how much they're billing for their services um and this isn't to say that uh you know every single session that these people um that these therapists uh you know um undertake you know involves this sort of thing but uh you know we get the sense that for a lot of them this sort of what we call conspiracy therapy, uh, which is recovered memory therapy by someone who uh, holds, uh, uh, you know, bizarre conspiracy theories that end up more more often than not being implanted in the minds of the patient. Um, uh, you know, they're, we're sure that they're capable of doing good therapy and they may, in some patients, at sometimes, uh, you know, have uh, genuinely beneficial sessions. Uh, so I wouldn't want to dismiss every single, uh, you know, therapy session as you know this is you know uh uh you know an an outrage that they're billing medicaid or medicare for it um but we know that you know they are you know doing this sort of thing and so uh some amount of uh you know tax dollars, frankly, uh, is going to uh, therapy sessions where uh, these um, therapists are utilizing really controversial techniques. Um, Lucian talked about some of them, you know, hypnosis, uh, uh, drugged interviews. Uh, there's also uh, dream interpretation, uh, uh, um, guided imagery sessions, that kind of thing uh, done with the purpose of recovering memories. I mean, even more popular and uh, in, in, uh, Prevalent, more prevalent techniques like EMDR um, can be irresponsibly used for the purpose of recovering memories. Um, so it is really unfortunate that uh, you know, the, frankly, our, our money uh, as as taxpayers is being used for this kind of irresponsible therapy. Um, I de- I never really got a solid like dollar figure on on how much they're making uh, from these sessions, uh, but you know it's it's definitely substantial. Um, and, uh, you know it is hard to for some of them you know it seems like they, they genuinely believe in what they're doing they really have this sort of uh, victim and hero narrative where they're sort of the savior uh, of the you know the victim that is their patient um, and they, they really think they're doing a good thing uh, in others it's much harder to give them the benefit of the doubt uh, Some of them have long trails of victims going back decades. Uh, even, you know, even just several that we, that we have several victims that we know about, uh, and, and certainly more that we don't know about. Um, some make it really difficult to, to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they really believe in what they're doing. Uh, you know, sometimes we're kind of pushed to the limit of that, and we have to start wondering, do they know exactly what they're doing, and they just don't care?
0: What was that? What was that therapy that you mentioned? E- um
2: EMDR. Um it's eye movement uh
3: de- desensitization uh oh, what resp- I don't know what the R is honestly. R is something.
2: Yeah it's, it's just really,
3: yeah, it's just really spurious kind of theory that you wiggle your eyes. Eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. That's right, yeah.
2: It's got some there's some evidence that it that it can work, um but of course as with so much therapy, uh, it can be done in an irresponsible way. Um, and unfortunately, that's that's what we see.
3: I think the evidence is that it's better than nothing. I don't know, you know, how well it's been tested against other things. So the, uh, the question is, is if it's just doing any kind of focused action where you're supposed to be concentrating on whatever your malaise is, is that... You know, is that going to have, like, the placebo effect or whatever? And I, I think with EMDR, isn't it that you close your eyes and you wiggle your eyes and some stupid bullshit thing? And then you have dickheads like Bessel uh, van der Kolk, who he's just this asshole with a goatee who uh, speaks with an accent. So everybody thinks he's wise. And he's like the, one of the dumbest fucks you'd ever listen. To. I mean... He speaks in obscure phrases and says things that are absolute nonsense. So it's kind of like if you're into Derrida or something like that, you think <laughs> that this guy is, is really a, a genius. And, and he, he really does have a following. But uh, he really knows how to play on uh, current fads. You know, he was he was doing yoga therapy for a while and things like that. He, he, he'll go wherever the money is. He, he sniffs that shit out and he's... He's really made a name for himself. He wrote "The Body Keeps the Score," and and that's been like, you know, on the bestseller list for many years now. Unfortunately, because he's an absolute quack. Tell us how you really feel.
1: So I take it he's not going to be one of the speakers at the Great Faction Conference.
3: Oh, he's he's invited to come anytime.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: I, I want I want him there when we're when we're both in a in a non-virtual
0: lecture hall. you mm. thought about sending them free tickets?
1: That's an interesting point. What, what sort of party is this conference going to be? Like, what can, what can uh, attendees expect?
2: Well, we got lots of different speakers uh, and at least one panel so far. Um, uh, we've got, let's see, who do, who do we know so far? We've got Carrie Poppy, which is awesome. We got Joe Laycock. Uh, uh, we have Lucian Greaves. I don't really know him that well. Uh, just came He just came in off the street and we gave him a spot, <laughs> though. Um, I'll be speaking. Uh, Chalice will be speaking. Hadrian will be speaking. Uh, I'm certain I'm missing,
3: missing some others. Um, I think we have some really good ones not entirely confirmed yet, so we wouldn't want to say, but, like, there's – you know, there's some people I'm really excited about who, you know, I'm excited about announcing in the near future.
1: Could you For remind sure. me who Carrie Poppy is? Uh, I know I know that name.
2: Um, she does a podcast uh, called Oh No Ross and Carrie. She does a lot of uh, talking about uh, pseudoscience and uh, some uh, new age type movements and things. Um, uh, so yeah, check her out.
3: Yeah, they're releasing. Uh, she's releasing an episode with me, like probably next week or something like that.
1: I understand that she uh, was a part of uh, something very grief Action related recently, right?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's another thing that really puts this, uh, you know, puts this conference uh, uh, sort of into context, or at least is another thing I think motivating a lot of people to, to, to speak at it, is uh, a couple of recent articles uh, covering the, supposedly covering the, uh, false memory syndrome foundation um which really did a really poor job um uh actually lucian do you want to you want to talk about it you i you know you don't pull any punches you can you can say what you feel
3: well you can do but uh oh yeah no i i did i honestly didn't know uh what that was in reference to when mentioning carrie but yeah that, that makes sense uh there was a piece in new york magazine that came out recently and uh i had been interviewed a full year before it had come out, the piece, and uh, it was clear that the author was coming at the topic um, with her head full of uh, ISSTD talking points, but I thought, you know, once she uh, learned some of the facts and and was introduced to the reality about the ISSTD and the notion of false memory syndrome that she could be disabused of these ideas, um, because she was... Uh, really concerned about the idea of false memories being used to debunk credible claims of abuse, which isn't much of a problem in reality, because um, even though, you know, you have people at their convenience trying to claim that this is what uh, false memory syndrome does, in reality, um, false memory syndrome is applied or brought into question when these really dubious practices are at play and when people claim that they only recovered memories of their abuse some many years later after having gone in through this type of therapy. And and that's when these memories become very doubtful. So the journalist was concerned that, uh, These uh, the false memory argument would be used to discredit the claims against Harvey Weinstein, because one person who came out against Harvey Weinstein had also recovered memories and the outrage there, I was saying, should be against the therapist who would corrupt the testimony of somebody who was possibly abused by Harvey Weinstein by acting so irresponsibly as put them under hypnosis and try to cultivate memories of something that may have never happened um, but instead, you know, of course, at the convenience of people like the ISSTD, they try to discredit the idea that these memories could be false, even though this is the same methods being used to convince people that they were abducted by aliens or bringing them back into past life regression and that type of thing. Uh, very obviously, false memories are at play when it comes to recovered memories. Any case, I had a long discussion with this journalist and talked all about the issues related to the satanic panic and how the ISS TV is really steeped in these notions of Illuminati mind control and other such things that seemed completely discredited. And she ended up writing this piece a year later that ignored all of that and simply made it sound as though Gray Faction was just this organization that tried to discredit survivors of wow. abuse. Wow. wow. And, uh, and it, was, it was, I wrote a piece about it, re, rebutting it, and several other people wrote pieces in outrage rebutting this piece as well. Um, but Carrie Poppy took it upon herself to really correspond with the editors and try to get them to rectify this writing back and forth. And she ended up compiling everybody's letters and putting them into one uh, massive piece that she had written and put together, contextualized all of it for the general reader, just to show how egregiously poor the New York Magazine reporting was. And uh,
0: she she tried to get them to publish that rebuttal, and they wouldn't do it, right? Because it had the yeah, letters no, they, from they, Elizabeth right. Loftus and stuff in there. Right, that's Vo- fucking Fox crazy. Or wouldn't, wouldn't hear it.
3: Um, so it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a disgrace. And and a, and a lot of the things were provably factually wrong and other things were so questionable as to leave you to wonder like, why they would leave it in there at all. Like when uh, the journalist was discussing the subjective state of a man who's been dead around 10 years now, uh, she she focused primarily on a woman named Jennifer Fried as like the central as, as the center of her narrative for the New York Magazine piece. And after everything I told her about the ISSTD and, and how, how their conferences talk about these grotesque conspiracy theories, she made no mention of the ISSTD and made no mention of the fact that Jennifer Fried is the editor of the ISSTD's own journal. So the, the piece was like the height of dishonesty but um yeah, we we've got we got nothing from writing to the editors. They even had uh I, I think some of the people who wrote even had uh gotten messages back from their lawyer just to show that they meant business, you know. And uh the editor even wrote to Carrie Poppy and said that uh she did not have permission to uh publish the email exchanges that they had with her, uh, you know, to which her reply was just like I don't need your permission. Right. You know, <laughs> to publish them anyways. Good. But uh yeah, it, it, I, I hope Carrie talks about that a bit at the on the conference panel.
1: Yeah, so she's gonna be on a panel and uh do have a little secret information here by virtue of my station. So I think, right, the panel's something to do with satanic panic and media misconceptions, like specifically dealing with this incident. And I find it so fascinating, man. Like what the hell is like the magazines like buy-in on this? Like, why, why does the magazine care this much about preventing like truce? <laughs> like, like, is it just that the story of uh, this like 30 year old narrative of the satanic panic sells more papers? Like, I don't get it. Like truly, why would they do that? No, that's why. Fuckers.
0: Have you ever, have you ever met editors?
1: Hacky <laughs> <laughs> ass bastards.
3: Yeah, yeah no, was, I agree with Jack. I think that's just, that's just it. You know, it's uh, anything that they feel can uh, get people in, in an uproar, you know, even if it's really spurious, um, that, that'll, that'll do it. Well, and that's, the whole that's, idea.
0: That's, that's a whole other subject about how conspiracy theories spread in QAnon and, and Facebook and how it facilitates that kind of, of information bubble where, you know, people lose track of what is and isn't true. And
1: it's... it's- Sorry.
3: Well, this this is the horrifying part. And, and this is why uh, the New York Magazine piece was especially egregious to us and really really set off a lot of alarms. And, and a lot of people who have been quiet for a while started, you know, writing things again and outrage against the, the New York Magazine piece and not because... This is a revival of something that's been going on, uh, you know, that hasn't been going on for a while because it has. It's just that when the left gets back into right wing conspiracy theories, that's when it really takes off. When you have that kind of bipartisan support for a bad idea, that's when you get a moral panic. And that's something I've been trying to impress upon people all this time we've been talking about gray faction because I hate that so many people think that these are all right-wing conspiracy theories and that the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s was strictly in the domain of uh, of religious zealots, you know, who, who I mean, infiltrated.
0: Really- And it really only had anything to do with like rock music and comic books. And there wasn't. Right.
3: Right. No, it it would not have taken off if it were just that. When it takes off, it's when people on the left also have an agenda. And at that point in time, that agenda was attached to that kind of puritanical strain of feminism that was anti-porn, not not very body positive, not the type of feminism we even a lot of our crowd would even recognize today, but with the best of intentions, there was the idea that for far too long, and and this is true, uh, that claims of abuse were disregarded far too often. And that the prevalence of abuse, particularly sexual abuse was, uh, was minimized and, and not taken seriously. And and that's true, but that carried over into this notion that any claim of abuse, regardless of, of its nature or of its plausibility, needed to be accepted as true at face value. So um, while there might have been utility at that for a short time, it doesn't take long before people like QAnon notice that or unscrupulous therapists and they come to realize that so long as you can attach a narrative of abuse to any of your most bizarre claims it's untouchable and i think that can often be a difficult uh a difficult reality to swallow for some of the people who otherwise uh embrace what we're doing is being completely in alignment with their with their politics, you know, that they want it's, things to be easily cut and dry and, and it's never really the case.
1: I, I don't think I, I mean, I haven't looked into the matter extensively, but I would be shocked if there's an intentional connection of, oh, if abuse then golden argument that can never be invalidated. Yeah. oh
3: no I, th- I think I've seen that before well like sure. when I've really when, when I've had the opportunity to debate with some of these people the sheer dishonesty of running away from answering to why are you guys talking about Illuminati mind control and getting them to instead answer with the question of well what is your agenda that you want to question claims of abuse I have to think You're you're arguing dishonestly and you know that you are.
0: Well, I think that's one of the one of the weird bits where they pick they pick up on left talking points on the left, like, you know, uh, me too and believe the victims and that. And they, they kind of slide in under that radar. And then you look into what they're actually claiming and you're just like, oh, wait, no, you think you were raped by the devil when you were five. And the scars have gone away because Jesus healed you and all of that, right? Like,
1: Right. And that's not an exaggeration. At that
0: point it, no, that's not really an exaggeration. At that point in believing the victims, you know, you have to, there has to be some line of, believe the victims unless the victim is saying something that's completely impossible, right? Like... Exactly, well, yeah. I
3: mean, there's also believe the victims even if they're saying something completely impossible. And I think it's really interesting to note that some of the people in the isstd consider themselves to be on the political left and are appalled by QAnon, without confronting the fact that QAnon's evidence for these things is no better than theirs it's not a matter of well so long as your morals are calibrated on the proper side of the spectrum then you're allowed to make up what's true this stuff is damaging either way and there's Unintended consequences every time. I think you put uh, truth as a lower priority
0: uh, when you're. What, what, what is their argument against against QAnon conspiracy stuff? Because it seems to me like it, the most they would have to argue about is which people are part of the secret cabal of of elite Satanists that are secretly running the world that they claim to think exists. But they both have that narrative.
3: I, I don't know, Evan. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, to me, it's just comical to see them get pissed off about about how QAnon is uh, is making this whole thing look bad, you know. But uh, <laughs> not, but how they how they reconcile that, how they overcome the cognitive dissonance to not confront the fact that their standards of evidence are are the same and their narratives are just the same on on different sides of the political spectrum. For some of them, not not even. Some of them aren't even on the different side of the political spectrum, but have you gotten a better sense of, of that, Evan? Because my thinking was that, that regardless of whether they're on the left or the right, the politicization narrows the – it, it narrows the field a bit. And, uh, you know, for business purposes, I'm sure the ISSTD would like to be more inclusive, you know? <laughs>
2: like, yeah, yeah. My impression is a lot of these uh... – Therapists are uh, politically like left, or you know, that might be putting it to extreme. You know, kind of like mainstream uh, Democrat types, but some uh, definitely more, uh, more further on the left. Um, I think that's the reason why they feel the need to distance themselves from QAnon. Uh, I have not heard any particular argument about here's why QAnon's different from. Uh, what we're talking about, because uh, it is pretty much the same thing, just with a Trump branding on it. Um, but, you know, we've seen uh, posts from from within the ISSTD's forum, uh, you know, the the board of directors says we need to distance ourselves from QAnon and Pizzagate and so on. Uh, but then in response to that, some prominent members of the, of the ISSTD are talking about how, uh, well, actually, you know, Republicans aren't aren't totally wrong about QAnon and, you know, we can't, uh, you know, give in to the, uh, the, you know, dismissing of, of everything Republicans say and stuff like that. So there is a real controversy within the IS, ISSTD uh, because of QAnon and, and, frankly, there should be.
0: I think it's great if they fight amongst themselves. I think that's a, that's a plus. They oh, are they, they are, and, we, and it's because of us. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. Evan and I have the satisfaction of seeing, uh, because we were in receipt of a bunch of uh, their internal uh, chat room dialogues and things like that.
1: Oh, how nice! How they,
3: yeah, but to see how they squarely put the blame on us, you know, mentioning Gray Faction by name is, is causing them this.
0: In their press releases, I saw one of those. In the, the, or sorry, that wasn't, that was survivorship, different conference, but same group of people, right?
2: Yeah, same people. So what's funny is they think a lot of it. A lot of them seem to think Gray Faction is all just, it's all just Lucian twenty four hours a day, you know, at his keyboard, uh, writing blog posts. Not only at my keyboard,
3: but at places too that I haven't been.
1: Oh, uh, Lucian has any uh, patient ever uh, claimed to uh, have come to meet you in the dead of night just curious it, do, are, are any of the conspiracist fantasies about you specifically or is it just like random Satanists like does Well,
3: that's not isolated to the ISS TV I wouldn't be surprised if there's people who have been who are both uh, clients of therapists in the isstd and you know isstd members who have a fixation with me but there was a guy who had spoken at one of the uh, who had spoken for survivorship in a group called smart the acronym for stop mind control and ritual abuse today uh both run by the same organizer a guy named neil brick a little shit who claims that he was uh, he used to be an illuminati super soldier and throws a temper tantrum when at any time anybody suggests that uh, his narrative is, you know, anything he other. There was than- a temper
0: tantrum whenever somebody rubs their nose.
3: You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a video, right. Where, Literally. He, was, yeah, where he was giving a, a lecture at one of his conferences and he had this wild hair up his ass about the, on the notion that if you touch your face it's triggering and can now keep in mind that, Neil Brick is a guy who claims that he was mind controlled to rape and kill without feeling. And so triggering in the context of of this crowd means you're triggered to act upon your mind control programming. So it's like, calm down, Neil. But he was telling everybody that they couldn't touch their faces while he was speaking and he was freaking out about about that. But any in any case. Yeah, he killed someone out, didn't he? What's that? Didn't they kick somebody out of that conference? Uh, yeah, like I think they kicked some old lady out. We got that video footage from somebody who went to the conference, and I don't remember what they said about you know, whether the person was allowed to stay or not. But in the video, we see Brick is talking about having that person removed from the conference. Some old lady who, I guess, sneezed or whatever and held her hand up to her nose, and that was all, all too much for Brick, for who didn't know whether he would go on a, a raping and killing spree, I guess, at his <laughs> own conference like the incredible hulk or something. <laughs> yeah. But there was a guy who spoke at those conferences who was really fixated with me for a while. I'm sure he still is, David Schroeder. But he was making these videos for a while that, you know, he took off of YouTube, but he was making daily videos for a while and he was he was seeing me places, you know, and he was I was sending people to his house. Like there was one video he did where Jehovah's witnesses showed up to his house but he that knew their fault. That, yeah but he, he knew that I had sent them
0: you know and uh, I, I recall the one where he you had he had one of his neighbors I don't know what happened but one of his neighbors had like a fire or something and there was you know bits of ash scatter on his on his trash can and deck and he was convinced that you were there doing something.
3: Yeah, well, there was also, over his- he was power washing his house because he was uh, he was convinced that they had put some kind of uh, uh, some kind of receiver on his uh, on his house, like that, that they were covering the surface with something that would act as a receiver for this government weaponry or whatever. So he was vigorously power washing his house or whatever. And, you know, some neighbor just didn't like him or whatever. And somebody left a big nasty handprint on the side of his house. And he ended up making this whole video about how, you know, they, they've gotten so blatant. They, they sent agents to do that. And clearly this guy is, is very mentally ill. He's disturbed, right? So I guess he's, uh, he's worthy of people's sympathy. But he's also so malicious, you know. And there's only so many times I can have this guy making videos calling me a a murderous pedophile and things like that to the point where, you know, it just, it it wears on me to the point where I I, I don't care about his outcome as much as I probably should.
1: Speaking about the mentally ill who are sometimes malicious, I'd love to talk more about QAnon. So I see that uh, there seem to be a few presentations regarding QAnon. Uh, and I just think that's so interesting. I'm especially excited about uh, Joe Laycock's presentation, is QAnon a new religious movement? I think that's a really fascinating question.
2: Absolutely, and I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I think a lot of the presentations are going to touch on QAnon almost because QAnon's like the elephant in the room, right? If you're talking about satanic right. panic right now, you're, you're talking about QAnon. Um, but, yeah, there are, there are a bunch, uh, I think, that will focus a lot on QAnon. Uh, uh, Lenny Flatley is another one. Um, we'll talk about the uh, connection between QAnon and uh, uh, Project Monarch.
1: What's that? Uh, What's
2: that? I, Lucian, do you know, I think, wasn't that a, isn't that the CIA program uh, about, um, uh, was it uh, media? Is that one, media manipulation by the CIA or something, or is that a mind control one?
3: Yeah, yeah, no. Monarch's, Monarch's a mind control program. Uh, it, I think it was supposed to be a branch of MK Ultra or so. There's this whole mythology about uh, about Monarch, and uh, I had a great uh, a great book about it. I don't think it was officially published, but there was this guy uh, Springmeyer, something like that, uh, uh, who was, you know selling these carbon copies and and binders or something like that, this whole, uh, project Monarch thing. And I, I think he ended up going to prison for some kind of fraud or whatever, like, like a lot of these guys end up being, but, uh, but some of the, uh, there was a bit of brilliance actually to, to that whole conspiracist writing. You know, there was, there was just so much in it, (laughs) you know, sometimes this stuff is, uh, I wish it could go back to to that time where conspiracy theories were just uh, amusing, you know, in it, it, it not uh, an existential threat to
0: democracy. That'd be nice.
1: Oh yeah, right.
0: <laughs> when this is
1: just <laughs> a funny <laughs> thing we could talk about
0: the halcyon days of, of the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot, when it has no real stakes. Yeah,
3: those days when you could say to somebody, can you believe that somebody believes this shit? And they would say, no way, you know, instead of saying that to somebody and running the risk of them saying like, well, you know, I read something on Facebook and...
1: (laughs) Oh, it is
2: harder these days you know sometimes to to make certain points with you know the the dangers of recovered memory therapy or something uh you know i'll talk about how that's the same technique used you know to recover memories of you know alien abduction or yeah. past life regression and these days like every day that goes by i find myself more and more like is that a great example anymore i don't know if that's too crazy yeah,
3: for people or to people not be believe like, so what, what makes you so sure they weren't abducted by aliens
1: you know i dated a girl in high school that uh, believed she was a reincarnated 18th century vampire so i mean everybody you know? who believes
0: nobody no even... i believe her exactly how come nobody who who is reincarnated ever is just like i was the dude who you know cleaned the latrines in right it, no one. Had, no oh, one who's reincarnated same, it's as the a same shitty with job. The people who
3: recover their memories of being part of satanic ritual abuse—it's never like I was mopping up the blood afterwards. The blood and the jizz on the floor—I was just scrubbing it down. It's always like I was the high priest, in you know, or my family was central to the
0: yeah, Illuminati's nobody. world
3: domination plan.
2: Yeah, PizzaGate really followed that theme. It was—it was kind of like a what you might call a shitpost uh really some, uh, well i don't know if that's the right term but no, uh, I, like I, clearly I, I some know. like neo-nazi uh someone who um you know was pretending to be like a jewish lawyer or something like that uh a facebook account i believe um and this is something that like the alt-right does all the time they'll make these fake characters that are uh, the most stereotypical that you can possibly be, you know, with uh, you know all the all the photoshopping and everything, um, and then they'll uh, you know deliberately push out either really bigoted stuff or uh, really like overly done social justice uh, arguments that are meant to undermine themselves or something like that. Um, but then you know they'll they'll you know. Put out just a whole bunch of bullshit, too, right? And that's how Pizzagate started. It was like this Facebook post from this uh, alt right account, which was somebody pretending to be a Jewish lawyer, uh, you know, saying, um, you know, talking about uh, WikiLeaks emails and WikiLeaks that, you know, revealed uh, these tunnels beneath uh, uh, Comet Ping Pong and, you know, all that stuff.
1: Huh. Well. Unless you gentlemen have any other items that we must discuss, uh, I'd love to offer you a little tea for the road. I'm going to refill my rose tea, like I do for now. Uh, Evan, what what uh, tea would you like to have refilled at the moment?
2: Um, do you have any green tea?
1: Of course. Of course.
3: Awesome. Wormwood.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> i've got just the thing
3: jack what are you drinking
1: uh
0: you know i usually go with a hibiscus this late at night with the decaf you know try not to get too worked up this time of day
3: well i think everybody should just
0: calm down i i'm all for that well it has (laughs) been lovely having having you here we're excited to get the the new building up on the estate we're looking forward to hosting this conference and you can go
1: see the conference you can check out the tickets for the conference at faction f-a-c-t-i-o-n dot the satanic dot estate
0: yeah and everybody who wants to come check out this what is sure to be a very very interesting event with lots of cool people saying lots of really interesting things about subjects that don't get enough attention uh yeah, we're, we're excited to put this on, so we're happy to, to have everybody on board with this one.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks
3: Thank for you. having me.
0: Nice.
1: Thank you. See you at Faction Hall.